sex and relationships aren't topics that, let's face it, most of us parents really tackle head-on with our kids. Conversations around meeting people, sex, parties, falling in love, consent. These conversations are awkward for them and, let's be honest, awkward for us. In an age where most teens live their lives online, why would they come to us with this kind of info anyway? Has our role as parents shifted? How can we help our teens navigate this tricky topic and time in their lives and act as a filter for things they may come across online? Hi, I'm Rebecca Sparrow and this is Navigating Parenthood, brought to you by HCF, Australia's largest not-for-profit health fund. Today, we're talking about teen relationships and all the physical and emotional complexities that come with them. This podcast contains general health information and shouldn't be relied on as medical advice. For health concerns, speak to your doctor. HCF doesn't endorse any statements or opinions made during the podcast. If the podcast makes you feel depressed or anxious and you need to talk to someone straight away, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. With me today is Barney, who is 16, and Ella, who is 17, and they're both in year 11. Hey, guys. Barney, I'm going to start with you. What do you think is the hardest thing today about navigating teenage relationships? Um, I think there's a very fine line between lust and love in early relationships. As kids first hit the ages of 15 and 16, when the relationships are a lot more lustful than actually full of love, When you guys talk about relationships, what do you mean? Well, I think there's a few different sorts of relationships. There's definitely the dating exclusive when there's an acknowledgement on both sides that you are, like, dating solely and there's no other people attached. So you're saying to me that when people get together, it's not assumed that it would be exclusive and that you'd only be dating each other? Well, I think there's some parts assumed, some parts not. It's sort of there's a phase which we call tuning. It's used a lot by teenagers. One of my friends actually described it to me the other day pretty well, and he said tuning is basically seeing what it's like if you were dating. So you're talking to someone and... Road testing. Yeah. So you sort of see how it would be if you were dating that person. And I think in that scenario, there's... I think that's the only time where people sort of lose the exclusiveness. Okay. And... Ella, how would you describe, like, when when I say to you relationships, how do you define that? Is that the same as Barney? Yeah, pretty much. I reckon, of course, when people think about relationships, their, like, mind instantly goes to, like, exclusively dating. But at the end of the day, if you are, like, hooking up with someone and if it's, like, a repeat thing, then I feel like if you've got any kind of, like, romantic or sexual relations with someone, then that's a relationship and it can just be... It's like different degrees of like exclusivity. Okay, so you've got um, a kid who's starting high school next year going into year seven. Is it just then that all of a sudden everybody's got phones and everybody's got social media and and is there this expectation that there's going to be a much more sexual element to crushes and relationships? I think it might be a contributing factor, but I don't think it's built the basis for it. I think there's sort of definitely like a sexual culture as you leave primary school into high school and that's just the general form because you sort of leave this place which nurtured you since you were five 
and now you're entering this place where you're going to leave as an adult. Ella? Well, I feel like we keep mentioning phones and stuff, but I feel like the biggest trigger and the biggest, like, cause for that kind of phase is, like, the blatantly obvious one, which is just puberty. Yeah. I, I would agree that it kind of amps it up because, like, technology gives everyone the impression, we all know it, we've seen it on, like, with when people talk about cyberbullying and stuff like that. Like, we know that we can disconnect from, like, our physical selves on online and do things that we wouldn't necessarily do and I think in the like in the context of relationships that just strips away like we're not scared of like committing to someone or having to see them in the streets or something and I think that's why tuning also happens I feel like I would disagree with what Barney's friend said about what tuning was about experimenting like what it's like to be dating that person I really think that some people like to tune people because like there's no commit. There's not a commitment aspect to it, and because I know plenty of boys as well that will tune girls and then just like leave. Yeah, right. I don't think people. I don't think people consciously treat it as like a process. So it's like, oh, hang on. If we so it's relationship. When you're talking about tuning, does that definitely mean that that they're having sex? No, no, no. 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 So it just no. means you're like it's, it's they're like, showing interest it's in you. It's pretty much a and- process that's been born out of like being online. Yeah, basically. Mm. Like I don't think someone would have like a face-to-face conversation with someone and then be like, yeah, we're tuning. Like, no, like, yeah, okay. it's definitely an online thing where you talk regularly. And giving someone a lot of your attention and sort of thinking, do we fit? Do I think this person yeah. is entertaining? Do we get on? Would I find them boring? That kind of thing. And, yeah. then, th- and then some people bail and think, yeah. no, nah, yeah. nah, not interested in this yeah. person. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm leaving. Mm. So, Ella, describe to me what dating looks like now? I think it's a lot more playful. People think of it as less of a commitment and I think it's um, slightly performative. But, like, firstly, on, like, the playful element, I think now everybody's looked at statistics of kind of divorce rates Mm -hmm. and so beforehand people might go into dating as young people and be like, oh, and eventually we're going to solidify this through some kind of union And now I think people are like, no, this is just a good time for the two of us. And I think there's a lot more talking involved because you can talk to each other when you're not um, in the same physical space and literally anywhere. And, um, yeah, I just think in general dating also there's a way bigger sample size of people that you can date. So um, people don't have to go with like one of the people that they know out of their friendship group of 10 Mm. people. So it's a lot more open and there's way more choice, which I think is a really good thing. Are you going on like dates? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And what's a a popular date? Like where would you go on a date? Movies, a shopping centre, I think. Like bowling? I don't think it's like... Bonnie's better at that. He goes on more. The dates haven't, like, changed. So you're not, like, you still go to the movies. You still, like, watch a movie of someone. You watch, like, a romance or something. Or you go, like, ice skating, take them out for dinner. Or, like, all these different, like, very romantic things. It's not, like, because of technology, it's not like people are, like, completely Just having cyber dates. You're not, like, FaceTiming them and, like, oh, that's a date. You are still physically going out. You, like, do the romantic things. And that, like, that hasn't changed. And it's still very... Mm. like romantically oriented. There's just more choice. And there's like, there is a lot of choice. Like you can go do whatever you want now yeah. because like the the application of technology, but it's sort of like, it's not this like technology like based and like it's solely on that as parents yeah. might think. Is there an expectation there 
Like, is 90% of the time somebody going to say, send me a photo? Well, there's not such an expectation, but there's sort of the idea that it could be there on the table. And if you didn't do it, does that just cut the whole thing dead? Yeah. It I does. think I've spoken yeah. to a lot of my friends and I think a lot of my friends and their experiences because I don't think a lot of the time girls say no. It's very sort of rare. It's rare for the girls to say no. So so a guy will say, you know, I think send me just, a photo yeah. and the girls will do it. I think they've got the sort of pressure of sending it because they're sort of scared that the guy's going to feel offended or sort of like turned away from the girl if they say no and then tuning will like stop there so if the girl says no like that's it but I know a lot of my friends like a girl says no and then they're just like fine with it because they sort of I think they've learned to respect the like privacy of the girl but I think that's definitely come with age I've spoken a lot of my friends they've sent nudes from year seven and then when they hit year 11 it's sort of just like disappeared. And how of- how common would it be then? So grade seven boy, you know, and I know it happens the other way as well, but grade seven boy pleads to her, come on, give me a photo, come on, come on, come on, I won't show anyone else. How many times would that photo then be shown to someone else? Would the boy then show oh, it to someone? Uh, well, I've never heard of a time when someone's screenshot someone photo and like spread it around. I think what parents are scared about is when their child sends a nude photo, someone's going to screenshot it, spread it to all their friends, and then all of like all of their friends are going to ridicule that girl because they know who it was and they can begin to like slut shame her. But I think a lot of that has been lost nowadays because people aren't really sending nudes to like people they know. And I think in the younger years, people are just to complete strangers. So it's sort of like there isn't as much like leaking. Barney, can you explain to me, so are kids essentially using apps like Snapchat and Ubo because you're saying the the photo disappears, the image disappears, mm. and and but why are you, you know, because we're warned as parents, no, but they can still screenshot mm. images. So you're saying people aren't screenshotting? No. Not well, from strangers. I don't think. I think, unfortunately, as, like, horrible as it sounds, it's actually really true. And the only cases I do know of girls that have had their, like, nudes leaked because I... The only cases I have heard that happen is with people that they were in relationships with, like, dating exclusively. And then... And to be fair, it was, as he said, in years seven to nine, but people they're in relationships and then maybe they break up with or something. like. And what about all the warnings that you get from, like... Adults like me and teachers who going. Yeah, does that work or no? No, I don't think so for the majority of people. I think a lot of the time police and parents come in and they sort of say, don't send nudes to like people you think you trust because they can just screenshot it. And there's the whole like digital footprint online. If you send something, it's going to save and you're like in 30 years time, your boss will look up your name and they'll find the nude photo that you sent to that boy that one time. And I think they sort of, create this like 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 worst possible scenario and then all the kids just turn off and they go that's not going to happen mm. and they mm. go snapchat cuz yes if it came down to it there is like the potential chance that if they screenshot it they could leak it out but that's why people are going through these apps so when parents and like teachers and police officers come in and they say like this is going to ruin your life if you do it kids just automatically switch off and they go like, well, you don't know I know it's about. not really going yeah. to. It just seems so improbable. And you've got no 
concerns about implications of photos, you know, finding their way onto the dark web and people on the other side of I the think, world seeing yeah, them and I nothing know, like that. I think there's definitely some, like, implications. Like, there's the very small chance that someone will screenshot it and, like, release it and they'll actually be able to, like, like damage your life. And you see that, but you see that on, like, a current affair and, like, all those specific, like, news shows where they, like, release it and it, like, happened to this girl, but it's, like, the very off chance. So I think people just boil it down to the fact, like, it's so improbable that this will happen to me and, like, on the other side, because there's only two scenarios that it's going to happen, it'll release and like for some reason it'll get into some sadistic person's hands which they'll actually be able to torment you with or it'll just disappear forever and you'll never like you'll never look back on it and remember mm. what you did so i think if you've got like a 99.99% chance of it people are going to take that chance yeah. people are just going to say like oh whatever and it's I'm sort prepared of, to take that risk mm. yeah it's sort of like because so many people do it it's like the whole mentality, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like if it does happen to me, a lot of people are just like, okay, sure. If it did happen, would you tell your parents? No. No. And why? Why wouldn't you tell your parents? I don't know. It's sort of like, as you were saying, it's like the whole parents' paranoia part and it's like parents are like police officers and teachers, so they're going to break it down into the worst possible scenario that could ever occur from this instance. Whereas kids sort of take it like, yep, I'm going to be annoyed about this today, tomorrow. Then by Friday, everyone's going to forget and it'll move on. Whereas you tell your parents, then your parents for like the next month are going to tell you like, oh, don't go in your room alone because you might be sending nudes. Don't go in the, why are you in the, why like, didn't you why listen you to the, the police people that came to your school kind of thing? Like, oh, we told you kind of thing. And people don't want that feeling of like, we told you so. Yeah. As well. A lot of parents, if we find out you guys have been sending nudes, we're going to go, you're not having your phone or that's it with social media yeah, with you, think... which is then you're scared of us taking away devices, yeah. I'd imagine. So what should we be doing? Tell me. I think instead of turning to the whole worst case scenario part that parents do and they go like, never again are you like going on your phone in your room alone, like I don't want this to happen again. They should sort of be like reassuring and sort of help your kid through it. Because if your kid's done it and they've come to you, they're obviously pretty worked up about what happened because I think sort of teenagers going through high school do have a bit of resilience and like will be able to get through stuff on their own. But if they've turned to their parents to help, then they're looking for support. They're not looking for someone to rain down on them and go like, oh, you've come to me and you've like been open with me. And you're like, told me this, so now I'm going to punish you and I'm going to like make this even worse than it already is. So like the fact that you just sent a nude and it got leaked and now your phone's been taken and both your parents are like ashamed of you because you did such a like disgraceful thing, which they've like drilled down on you for years not to do. If parents have the understanding, like a lot of kids are doing this and their child isn't like this one in a million disappointment and, like, they should be helping the child and should be supporting it and saying, like, okay, how can we get through this and, like, what can we do to, like, make sure this doesn't, like, happen again? Is it possible that there's anything that parents can do or say to help their kids navigate this so that they don't you the you're not place? sending news, yeah. but you're saying to me that is just what is happening, that mm. that mm. that 
that that is the the new lay of the land and that kids are doing it? And are you saying that as parents we have to accept that? I don't think so because I, I haven't done that. Yeah. And it doesn't stem from like the police came in and just scared my socks off. So then off. why why haven't you done it? I just, I just think it's gross. Have you been asked for photos before? No. I just don't get into myself into situations or talk to people yeah. that would want to. And you can see red flags before you're about to enter a kind of conversation like that. It's not like, what are the oh, red flags? Tell well, us. the grades for homework, send me your nudes kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Like, I don't know. I think there's certain language that starts to become a bit like, oh, if only you were here with me, kind of like, you can tell. It's just tone. Yeah. You can tell when the tone of a conversation is changing and then I just get really dry and like leave it. And I also want to add that we're making it sound like just 99% of your kids mm. are sending nudes. L- my entire friend group hasn't sent nudes. Literally, the percentage just isn't that huge. Like, I don't want parents to be sitting there being like, oh, my God. Okay, so it's not everybody. Like, it's just not everybody. So let's look at the way sex education is handled at school. What do you wish that you were getting from school in terms of sex education? The problem with school education is they teach you, like, the bad parts of sex. Mm. They're teaching you, like, yeah, they teach you about, like, getting people pregnant, getting STIs. and. What do you wish that they were teaching in sex education in school? Um, I think, yes, like, the good parts of sex and pleasure is important, but realistically, schools aren't going to be able to roll out a curriculum that's just like, here's how to have great sex kind of mm. thing. And I... Honestly, don't think that consent is being done properly in schools. Okay, I don't explain that. that to me. Why? Um, I think consent is, in a lot of schools, it's like if you do not get consent from another individual, that is rape. Rape is a crime you'll go to and then they just go into like that is a bad thing, okay, and that is a, that's a criminal offence. And so I think then everybody just links like crime and no consent, and if they don't, if boys don't feel like they are in a situation where perhaps they might be, like, pressuring someone into having sex, but they don't feel like a criminal, they don't feel like they have evil intent, and they don't feel like they have, like, the intent to rape someone, so they're like, even though this person is being like, no thank you or something, they're like, well, this is just me trying to be kind of, like, loving and like, oh, come on, but, like, consent needs to be then the understanding of consent needs to be more centred towards if someone's not comfortable with having sex, mm. that's just not cool and it's not. And you're not going to have good sex mm. if one party has just been, like, pressured into it. Dear younger Ella, I know that when you first learnt about consent, the concept seems simple enough. Unfortunately, you'll find out both first and second hand that this isn't exactly the case. You'll hear every excuse and rationale as to why even though nothing was said, it was implied. You're going to watch storylines from books and TV enter into you and your friends' lives. You're going to realise it's real. I know that this far along the timeline, I've still got a lot to learn and a long way to go. But if I could share one lesson I've learnt, it's that you're not obliged. You're not obliged to make someone happy or reach some milestone if you're not happy. And when you're not happy, say something. Don't worry, as long as you remember that, you'll be fine. Or at least up until you're 17. Love, Ella. So in the letter that you read to us, what did you mean by you're not obliged? I think girls and boys, it's definitely not a gender-specific thing, think I'm in this situation 
my friends and like books and movies have all played out that now that I'm in this situation, I, this, this is the next step. But like, you're not obliged to go any further if you don't want to. That you have the right to change your mind as well. You do. You 100% do. Let's talk about, I mean, we're talking about schools having these conversations, but do you want to be having these conversations with your parents or is that super awkward? Yeah, I think there's definitely, in terms of sort of sex and consent, I found it, well, my parents haven't ever really spoken to me directly about it, but they've sort of said stuff like, don't be a player and like, don't like sort of force yourself onto people. Like they've sort of drilled it into me. So then like in my mind, I'm sort of like, sort of like taking a step back and going, I shouldn't supposed to be doing this. But it's also like, I would rather my parents sort of talk to me about some stuff than the school. And then like, I would rather my parents come to me and talk to me and be like, Barney, like we know that you're beginning to have sex and all. And like, I think Ella, as Ella said at the very beginning of the podcast, when parents first find out you're having sex, instead of coming down with this like iron fist saying like, oh, that's horrible, like you're too young and stuff, um, I think they should definitely start like like to begin to talk about consent to you. I so think- do, your, do your parents, before you start having sex for the first time, would you tell your parents that you were going to no. start doing that or no? That that's You God feel no. like... No. God, no. You're saying God, oh no. God. So, you, so you would start your sexual relationship history and too awkward to tell mm. your parents think, I'm about yeah. to but go down this road? I think the thing with this, this isn't just on principle, kids don't tell their parents whether they're going to have sex or not. It's always a result of an environment that has been built up for years. And I think that par- if parents want to start having conversations with their teenagers about sex they need to think about that and they need to realize that they would want to do that in the future when their kids are 10 or when their kids are like younger than that like you can't just be like oh my god now he or she is 16 it's time to have the chat if you've too late it's it's too late because it's set in their mind that you do not have the kind of relationship with your parents that you would talk about that and 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 just maybe establishing in primary school that open communication, yeah, exactly. an environment yeah. of yeah. open communication because you can't turn around exactly what you said, Ella. You can't turn around when a kid is 15 and suddenly expect them to start coming to you yeah. to tell you stuff if you haven't had an environment mm. where you have allowed them to talk to you. And I think it was really interesting, um, Barney, that you said earlier that if a tween or a teen has the courage to go to their parents and say, I've screwed up or this happened to me. And then if we respond in the wrong way, which is perhaps coming down on you like a ton of bricks and taking your phone and da-da-da, then you're probably less likely then Mm. to come and open up to us again about anything. Yeah, and even if it's not as closely related as Ubo or Yellow, when kids think, oh, I'm going to tell my parents they're going to try and predict what the reaction is going to be and they can only base the reaction off past reactions. What's the one thing that you wish that your parents knew? I think there's some parts, like someone has a ridiculously large party, there's people going out on the street and, like, they're completely out of it and then people getting taken away in ambulances. And then I go up to my mum and I say, I'm going to my friend's party. And instantly in her mind she's got, like, this whole horrible party she just heard about and she thinks oh no tonight I'm going to get like a call from the hospital one thing like I would want my parents to know is like 
I've got like my own intuition and stuff and I can like sense when something's going wrong. The amount of times I've turned down parties because I know myself that something might go wrong. So then the parties that I do ask them to go to are like the more controllable, the ones where people are actually having fun. So you're saying to me that you have got the judgment to be able to say, you know what, that party, that's not a good idea or I know um, how to get myself out of Mm. this situation. How have you learned that? I'm not too sure. It's just sort of like... I've grown up and, like, I've definitely, at the in year seven and eight, there was no judgment. It was just someone invites me to a party, yep, I'll be there. But then as I matured, I sort of got, like, the understanding that, like, oh, maybe that party is a bit more risky than others. Yeah, and I like, think- if, a, if someone's coming, I mean, if your kid's coming to you to ask to go to something, you have to trust that they've done a little bit of thinking about going to the event. They're not yeah. just blindly like, oh, been invited to it and I just go wherever like they're going to be surrounded by people they want to be around and stuff like that and what Ella you tell me what's the one thing that you wish that your parents knew uh I think I'd just like to be able to share like general experiences with them Mm. because I look back at like the things I do on the weekend and stuff and I'm like I can't tell my parents about this stuff because I know they'll get mad and then they're like it kind of blocks me off from communicating with them Mm -hmm. because I don't feel like I can even now share like the low level things in my life. And so you just want to be able to sit down with them and be like, God, I wish that hadn't happened. But like, absolutely. Okay. In a perfect world, tell me when you were both in primary school, what do you wish that your parents had done or what would you do for your own children? How would you create that bond and that environment for your own children in primary school or what you wish you'd had yourselves in terms of that real open communication and support? I think one of my, like, close friends, during primary school his dad had begun to, like, sort of drill into him that, like, oh, you can talk to me and he was very, like, open and he was very, like, funny about it. So now my friend, he makes a bad decision and he's like he goes straight to his dad and he says I've stuffed up I've done this and this and then his dad goes like yep you have stuffed up but I'll help you fix it like if he breaks something he's like yeah. you're paying for it yeah I'm not going to get you in trouble but you're paying for it but and I'm like, here to walk next to I'm you here, yeah, as I'm we deal with it you. what about you Ella like what environment do you wish you'd had when you were in primary school what what would you create for your own daughter if you had one one day well yeah I don't really wish I had a different environment in primary school because like I was still a pretty happy kid Mm. but if I was to have a child I think it would just be creating that communication but unwittingly like just have a conversation with them and have multiple conversations with them and it doesn't have to be like how was your day kind of stuff just like create conversation create open conversation and it doesn't have to be that like you're a friend because I know the parents are scared of like accidentally becoming too comfortable and then Mm -hmm. thinking that like they don't have any power as like a like a parental figure Mm -hmm. but like there is a way that you can establish a relationship where you are talking regularly it's like how friendships begin you talk about tiny things what books you like or something like that and eventually you build up enough trust that a child is going to be able to be comfortable talking to you about the big things. Barney and Ella, thank you so much for coming in today. It has been incredibly enlightening and I got so much out of it, so thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me back. Thank you for having me back. Thanks for listening to Navigating Parenthood. All five episodes are available now. 
Subscribe and rate and head to hcf.com.au slash podcast for more information and useful links. And remember, if you're feeling depressed or anxious and need to talk to someone now, call Lifeline on 13 11 14.